Welcome to the Side Pods podcast at www.sidepods.com. Now, get ready for the drop of the green flag. Welcome to the Side Pods podcast. This is Derek Ross, your host of Side Pods, the podcast all about open wheel racing cars. Turning left, turning right. Could be the Indy 500, just turn left there. Could be the Monaco Grand Prix, left and right there. Any kind of race car that's got a side pod. What are they? What are they good for? Sponsors love them. That's where the primary sponsor usually goes on an open wheel race car. Well, they also do a lot of other things too. They take care of the radiators, for cooling oil, for cooling water, and they also help with the deflection of air under the car or through the car or through the side pods. Side Pods Podcast. We hope to explore the people behind the wheel, behind the wrenches, and behind the scene. So give a listen, see what you think. Thanks for joining us today on Side Pods Podcast. So we're sitting in the car with Leo Maya. Do you prefer Leo or Leonardo? Leo's fine. Okay. Long Beach weekend coming up this weekend. I was looking forward to seeing you in a car, but not happening this weekend. No, not this weekend. Start that way. Out. <laughs> I should have started. It was like starting with something positive. <laughs> no, I don't care. So tell the world who, uh, who Leo Maya is. Tell the world who Leo Maya is. Favorite movies, uh, romantic night spots, things like that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. I was, uh, started racing when I was about 17 with Skip Barber. Right. And uh, he, I lived in Northern California, so uh, Russell. I did the Skip Barber School at Laguna, then I raced a year with Russell in their Formula Russell series, which is in uh, Sonoma. They just run different configurations of Sears Point. Did that for a year and then went back to Skip Barber. Did their national, regional championship, national championship in their pro series and sort of progressed through each one. Won their pro series in 03. Couldn't really find anything in Atlantics in 04 to race, so I ended up going to IPS, which was still a relatively new series. I think it was their second or third or fourth year, something like that. Yeah, in print, yeah Indy Pro Series, right? Yeah, the Indy Pro Series. And if I can back you up for one second, you just yeah. rattled off real quickly that you won the Pro, seri- or pro Series with the, the Skip Barber deal. Yeah. That, that was a major accomplishment in itself, was it not? It was. It's a pretty cool accomplishment because the cars are all equally prepared. So the drivers are, you know, everything's maintained by Skip Barber. So engineers aren't allowed to touch it. You know, you can't have anyone sort of uh, messing with your car but you. So everything is uh, is kept exactly equal. Skip Barber controls all the, the, the motors and stuff, and they keep it as equal as possible. And they do a really good job of it. Uh, unfortunately, the series isn't around anymore, but yeah. It's probably one of the most competitive series in the world because everyone has the same exact equipment. So the driver there is more a factor than probably any other series out there right now. And, and that's the the alumni of, of winning that championship is, is quite an elite group, right? I mean, that's yeah. something that's been looked at by many team owners as, hey, here's a place to look for good up-and-coming drivers. Yeah, yeah. Just not when I want it. <laughs> no, that's not true. You, you ran. You were. I interrupted you. You say you uh, you ran some uh, indie pro series stuff, right? Yeah, we ran indie pro series with uh, Brian Stewart, but we didn't really have the the big huge budget that the other teams had. So I don't want to say we struggled, but we de- we definitely did well, really well for the amount of money that we had. But we just couldn't compete with the guys that were spending, you know, four or five times what we were. Right now, that was that was two years ago. <clears throat> yeah, that was in well three years ago. Three years in 04. ago. Oh four. Oh four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Huh. And then 05, I pretty much took off because I couldn't find anything. And then 06, last year, I was able to put together a deal to race with Forsyth, which was this time one of the, you know, those big budget teams. But, you know, 
from uh, 2003 when I won the championship. The last race was in August, so that was my last road race. And IPS is all ovals, when I, at least when I ran it. Right. So, and the first race of the year was Long Beach in April. So from, you know, the end, <clears throat> August of 2003 to April of 2006, it's a long time to go without uh, without road racing. So. And that was with Forsyth in the Atlantic Championship. Yeah, yeah. So it was. It took a took probably half the year to finally get comfortable in the cars and get used to it and be able to put you know set down that lap time really quick because our sessions are not quite as long as Champ cars. Right. We only have you know half hour sessions and you know usually there's you know with twenty five cars there's a lot of red flags you know people crash they have to clean up the crashes so you don't have that much time in qualifying so you got to set a lap you know if you can't do it in five or six laps it's you know it's it's really tough. So. Yeah, I don't think most people realize the pressure that's on the support series at major events like that because it's obviously a major showcase weekend opportunity for yourself and for the team. But like you say, your sessions are very short, often have problems, issues, whatever else. And if anyone's time is going to get cut, it's going to be you guys. Yeah. No, I mean, the champ car guys, well, they have a, they have a built in the rules. They have a guaranteed amount of time that they get per session, no matter what happens. So, and uh, if they need to use that time where the, the support series are the ones that uh, suffer. I mean, we're sort of the highest on the food chain of the support of the different right. support series, but you know, we still get you know abbreviated sessions from time to time just because we, you know, it's you know five o'clock in the afternoon and we have to be out of there by five fifteen. So definitely very tough, but uh, it prepares you well for for the next step. Uh, yeah, pressure's on. Time to perform. <clears throat> Here we go. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's similar to all, you know, it's it's sort of similar to collegiate sports in uh, in the U.S. and and the fact that, you know, most of the guys aren't making money. Most of the guys are trying to prove that they should be making money. And they're, you know, they're driving their guts out there. You know, they're doing everything they can to to make, to jump up to that next step. Because it's a lot harder than, uh, say, college football or college basketball where, you know, they'll, they'll take, like, you know, top 100 guys or top 50 guys will, will get signed to an NBA team. And Atlantic's, you know, to have two guys move up you know, is, Huge. is a, is a lot of people. So, right. It's usually one, uh, recently it's been none. So it's definitely very, very challenging. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, people talking all the time when I'm taking care of uh, people at races and, and working with people and they say, well, you know, why doesn't that Atlanta car or, or IPS car, why doesn't it have more sponsorship on it or whatever, or, you know, what does it cost and this and that. And I'm always saying, well, the challenge is, you know, maybe it's a 10th of the budget just use it as a, as a figure. But, you know, you're not necessarily, you know, going to get 10th of the exposure either because it's, it, it's hard to get the, the, the typical media to come on in and look at the feeder series, look at the people who are coming up because they always go for the low-hanging fruit. So they'll always, you know, take the first interviews with the stars of, of the main deal. But, yeah. but often the support races are the ones that have the, the most excitement for the weekend and they have the, you know, the people who are like yourself who are real hungry to make the deal happen. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, and, and I think a lot, half of the guys in, in Atlantics are good enough to race in champ car nowadays you know drivers start when they're eight years old and by the time they're 12 really they can they pretty much drive anything you know the, the learning has already been done in the sort of lower formula right once you get to atlantics i mean we could have taken anyone in the top 10 probably even in the top 15 and they could have driven a champ car you know as just as good as as anyone else so that um i think people make the mistake of uh thinking that we're still learning that we're still improving but, uh, and we are, I mean, you're, but you're always improving. I mean, champ car drivers are still learning and improving, you know, every time they're in the car. 
But, uh, you know, the Atlantics are, I mean, we're just as good as the, the Champ Car guys in our, you know, particular car. I mean, definitely Champ Car drivers know more than us when it comes to a Champ Car. But if they came down and raced Atlantics, they'd be, you know, sort of, I don't want to say bad, but they'd, they'd have to learn just as much as we would have to learn if, you know, the situation was reversed. Sure. Yeah, different playing field. Yeah, exactly. And, and it makes it real tough when there's only maybe 15 to 18, 19 teams' cars happening per event. It's it's real hard to move up. It get, It's a narrow, the tunnel gets narrow and narrow and narrow. Exactly. And there's already, you know, there's so much competition for rides because there's a, there's a lot of race car drivers out there that have raced with experience that race champ cars. And it's tough for a team owner to take a chance on a new kid. I mean, you see it in, let's say, college football all the time. I mean... Right. They'll sign a kid to send Alex Smith to what, fifty-six million dollars over you know seven or eight years, without throwing one NFL pass, you know, and it's and I guess football has the money to do that, but with Champ Car, you know, they have to go with someone that's going to deliver results right away, right? And they they know that a guy with experience in Champ Car can deliver it right away, and uh, you know, a rookie coming from Atlantic is still a sort of an unknown quality. Sure. So it's. Uh, it's it's very tough. I mean, I understand the position that the team owners are in, but I just I wish they would give uh, some of the younger guys a little bit more of a chance. And I'm sure we could uh, definitely prove prove a lot of people wrong. So uh, you know, you hear of some teams doing their their tests with different drivers and stuff. I mean, is that you know, oftentimes uh, is, is that something where they they've got somebody in there and they've already they've already basically bringing the check with them and they pretty much know they're going to be the guy, or is it is is it a real deal? Um, it de- it depends on the situation. I mean. A lot of the a lot of the testing that you see is they're testing people with money. The thing is, a lot nowadays there's a lot of drivers that are actually pretty pretty good that bring money. You know, back in the day it was, you know, the the best drivers would make it to the top just because there was so much sponsorship, so much exposure that you know teams could afford to go out and find the ten drivers that they thought were the best, test them all, and then take the best of that ten. You know, right. nowadays, you know, the teams' budgets are are so small that they can't even test without someone paying for the test. Right. So most of the time you're going to see drivers testing, you know, it's it's going to be because they're bringing money. Nowadays, I mean, it's there's always an exception. I mean, Graham Rahal's is an exception. Uh, Pagano, I think, would have been an exception, but he's sort of, because he won the championship in uh, Champ Car Atlantic, he's actually bringing money. He's actually bringing $2 million as part of the prize package. So Right, nice incentive. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a nice little carrot for a lot of people. Well, and I know I saw you at, uh, we chatted at uh, Homestead yeah. when the Indy cars were there and Indy, Indy Pro Series, and I know you were uh, working the, the pits and the aisles and chatting yeah, with people yeah. and stuff. Anything happened on that front for you? Uh, a little thing, a little bit, but, you know, it's still it's still a money game. You know, people got to pay the, their bills, so, uh, and you have to pay yours pretty much. So you got to, you got to find the money. Right, and uh, that's the easiest way to progress in in open wheel racing right now. It's unfortunate, but that's the you know that's the way it is right now. If you want to succeed, um, there's few people that get lucky and just kind of you know right place, right time, and find you know someone willing to take a chance on them. But that happens once every three or four years, if that. Right. So back in the early '90s, when I got to uh, run in Atlantics, it was a lot easier because obviously that was the focus. Atlantic was the way on up. Now you've got. The Pro Series, which is doing quite well, you've got the Atlantics, which are doing quite well. How do you how do you balance both? How do you change the focus? How do you focus yourself? What do you what's your, what's your game plan on that? 
Well, it all depends on what you want to do. I mean, if you want to go IRL racing, you would go with the Indy Pro Series. If you want to go Champ Car racing, you would go to Atlantic. It's not to say that the two, you couldn't jump to either series with, you know, with that, with the training that, you know, with one particular series, you can go to IRL from Atlantics and IPS, you can go to Champ Car. Um, but the, the series are definitely geared towards their own, you know, the, towards, you know, Atlantics is definitely more geared towards Champ Car than preparing you for the IRL. And it's, you know, the opposite with, uh, with IPS, they're more geared towards IRL than, than for Champ Car. Plus you're, you're always racing in front of the team owners there. So they, and they do, they do pay attention. So you got to be, you know, you want to race IRL, you want to be in front of the team owners so that when you do talk to them, they know who you are. So, so I mean, it, it, it just depends on where you want to go. Ideal is uh, running both. Yeah, if you can, if there's a <laughs> sure, why not? If there's no conflict, uh, Dates. conflicting uh, schedule there. Now I'm very familiar with the, the old Swift DB4, which is which is what I got to pilot a little bit, and uh, you were in a Swift as well, but obviously a very different Swift chassis. Tell tell us about specifically the specifics of, of driving that chassis. Um, well, it was a new chassis for this year, so uh, most of the teams were sort of working out the kinks. They they decided pretty late in the 05 season that they were going to have a new car. So they built a new car from absolute scratch in about 250 days, I think, 260 days. And, uh, I mean, they did a really good job. They, there were very, very few issues. I mean, you always expect issues with a new car, and this one was actually had uh, fewer issues than most. I mean, Champ Car right now has a new chassis, and they, they've been developing that for about a year and a half, and they, they have more problems. They're having more problems, you know, in the first race weekend than we did all year with, with the cars. But right. the, the chassis itself is very good. I mean, it stayed uh, very similar to last year's chassis in that it's got a lot of downforce. We, uh, we have what we call tunnels in the car, which is pretty much if you, if you took the car and sort of dissected it, you, could, you would pretty much see the shape of the car as a wing, but upside down. And that creates a tremendous amount of downforce for relatively... Uh, small amount of drag in that so you can go you can have more downforce without sacrificing the top end speed I mean we had wings and uh, and everything but uh, those tunnels really really suck the car to the ground so the car would would grip pretty well and would actually be in some corners faster than it than an actual champ car at uh, but we didn't have the horsepower that champ car had yeah lighter weight as well right so a little bit lighter I don't think it was that much lighter. I think we were only about a hundred pounds, you know. So we were really, fourteen hundred there, fifteen hundred. So it really was more a matter of the ground effects being able to pull the car down to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, ground effects in the wheelbase. I mean, we were a little bit shorter than a Champ Car too, so we could get around those uh, tight corners a little faster too. So it was a, uh, it was definitely a good, definitely a good car. Cool. Hopefully, you'll be able to be back behind the wheel of an Atlanta car again very soon. Yeah, I hope so. I definitely hope so. So this weekend, you'll be. Uh, we'll we'll look for you uh, being up at the Long Beach Grand Prix. Yeah, I'll Keep be walking around, saying hi to some friends, trying to trying to open some doors there. Well, good luck on opening doors. Uh, people will be able to go to the show notes of uh, this podcast, and uh, we'll have a link there to um, www.leonardomaya.com. Yeah, I'm sure you'll have the link, but <laughs> you won't get very far. Won't get very far. <laughs> yeah, I've been bugging Leo. Talk to my website guy to get that up and running a little bit better. I've been bugging Leo to. Get some updates happening there on the old the old website so people can stay in touch with you and get, yeah. get your well, fan base. Yeah, you can still stay in touch. Feel free to send you can get send me an email through that. So awesome. Get in touch that way. Well Leo, I appreciate uh, we're out here today in San Diego and uh, 
you heading up to, just catching before you're heading up to Long Beach. Appreciate you taking the time to chat to us, and we wish you all the very best. Thanks a lot, Derek. It was my pleasure. Hope you've enjoyed listening to SidePod's podcast. We're always looking to make this a better show, and we'd like to get your feedback. Now, there's two ways to do that. Please call us on our comment line. That's at area code 206-888-4301. And please let us know which podcast it is you're commenting on. Your comments may be used in upcoming shows. So if you got a good idea, call us in. Let us know what you think. Again, the number is 206-888-4301. Now, if you know somebody specifically that should be on this show, please let us know. We want to make this one of the best things you can find out there in the world of motorsports. This is Derek Ross. Thanks for listening to Side Pods. We'll see you at the track. You have been listening to the Side Pods podcast on Race Remote. Your host has been Derek Ross. To subscribe to the Side Pods podcast and for show notes and more information, you'll find us on the web at www.sidepods.com. And you'll also find us on iTunes. The SciPods podcast is a production of Race Drive Interactive Inc., providing winning interactive solutions for the motorsports industry. SidePods podcast is copyright 2008. Race Drive Interactive Inc. All rights are reserved. The SidePods podcast is a proud member show of the Race Remote Media Network. Motorsport at its best. No batteries required. For all the latest shows and updates, please visit www raceremote.com For marketing opportunities and more information, call our friendly marketing department at 818-430-RACE or see us on the web at www.raceremote.com Thanks for supporting motorsports. Now get to a race event and take a friend. I'll see you at the track.